Let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11 is where we are in our journey through our study of Hebrews. I'll have more to say about this next Sunday, but I do believe we're at a unique time in our study of Hebrews and particularly the seasons of life that we find many of us going through as families, as individuals, where the Lord is putting the faith that we are learning of to the test in our individual lives. And so I think it's important now more than ever that we examine intently the writer of Hebrews and what he wants us to know about faith and why it's so important for us and needful if we are to endure and persevere what is in front of us. And so we've come to Hebrews chapter 11, which has often been identified as that great hall of faith. So, so we say it is, but in this group of people are frankly what we would consider in our time <laughs> losers to the faith, weak failures, men and women of immoral behavior. But yet God uses their faith to show us what faith is to be all about. And that's where we've come today. And this is where we're going to be for quite a long time. So bear with me. Because we're only going to look at the first three verses. And then we're going to take each individual hero of the faith, so we call them, in chapter 11. As we continue respectively over the next however many weeks studying together the pinnacle, the pinnacle of what the writer of Hebrews is leading us to. So Hebrews chapter 11, let's look together at verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. I begin the message today with a simple question. And the question is, are you, not, not your neighbor, not the person next to you, not somebody else. I'm talking about you this morning. Are you a person of faith? Are you... A man or woman, boy or girl, teenager, whatever the case may be, are you a person of faith? You see, this is the journey that we are on together here in the book of Hebrews. And it's the destination that the writer has been taking us to all along. He's leading us to this point where we will discern whether or not we are people of faith. Or are we going to believe the gospel? Are we going to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are we going to be like those who fall away? Those who turn back, those who drift from God altogether? Or are we going to endure and persevere? The, the question to endurance and perseverance lies in whether or not we are people of faith. And that's what the entire book of Hebrews is leading us to. In fact, just 
Think with me for a moment, going back all the way to chapter 3 and verse 12, the writer says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, not, not, not in your wife, not in your children, but in you, beware lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief. What's the opposite of unbelief? It's belief, it's faith. And so we've had warnings since the very beginning about living life without faith, living life with unbelief, an unbelief that he goes on to say will lead us to depart, to abandon the living God. In the same chapter, chapter 3 and verse number 19, he says, so we see that they, and he was illustrating the children of Israel during their wilderness wanderings, he says, so we see that they, the children of Israel, they could not enter into the promised land. Why could they not enter into the promised land? Because of their unbelief, their lack of faith. In illustrating the same wilderness wanderings in chapter 4 and verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says the word, particularly the word of the gospel, which they heard, it, it did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. We move into chapter 6. In verse 12, and the writer tells us that we need to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. It was just in recent weeks in our study of chapter 10 and verse 22, he says, he says, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Again, in verse 38, he says, it's the righteous, the just, those who are truly born again, saved people. Here's how they live their lives. He says, the just live by faith. I need you to remember the context of Hebrews. Persecution was threatening the church. And many who once professed belief in Christ were now turning back and falling away altogether, showing us that they never possessed a true faith they never truly were born again they started right but they they turned back you say well how can we even say that's possible remember what the writer of hebrews has taught us for the past 10 chapters and will continue to do so he says it is the genuineness of faith that is proven by the evidence of perseverance that is, if we endure, if we persevere, perseverance is the evidence that our faith is real. But these who are turning back, these who are falling away, these were decrying hogwash, if you will, on the whole Jesus stuff. We're going back to Judaism. We're going back to the things that we believe. This is too difficult, too complicated. How can I put me and my family in this kind of position, believing in a God that I cannot see and a Messiah that I've yet to look upon myself? The fooey on all of that. I'm going back. And they allow persecution and, and, and problems and difficulties and storms and temptations to lead them away, which shows us, according to the book of Hebrews, that these people were never saved. They never truly possessed faith in Christ. They were performing. They were pretending because the Bible is clear. When we truly believe, we persevere. We endure. We finish. But now the writer of Hebrews, he wants to help those who are still coming. They're, they're still in the game, if you will. Still attending. Still hanging in there. And so he's moved to the climactic point of this letter. 
And he does so by giving us, in Hebrews chapter 11, what we call a, a legacy tour, if you will. A, uh, a walk through history, showcasing the testimonies of those who lived their lives by faith. And as a result, persevered through their circumstances. It's a heritage tour. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is. And it does us some good to go back and look at how God's people who have went before us have endured and have persevered and have lived their lives by faith, lest we get discouraged and fall back ourselves. Uh, There's a little running joke around here that we will sometimes, as a team, go on a little heritage tour and, uh, and what, what I'll do is we'll, we'll go back over here into the Hidden Valley neighborhood and we'll show them the building where we began in 1969 and then we'll, then we'll move our way out here to Plaza Road Extension which developed in the late, late 90s and then I'll show, you know, Austin and RJ that there were things here now that wasn't here when, when uh, they weren't here and what God has done and how God has blessed the faith of people throughout the last uh, however many years that, that God has honored it and that's what encourages us to keep going and not turn back and not be pressured in by people, but, but to be following the Spirit of God. We, we look to the faith in front of us and the faith behind us, and then we ourselves are encouraged to keep going in the same purposes of God. Are you a person of faith? That's what the writer of Hebrews is wanting us to grasp as we journey through this conclusion of the book. Are you a person of faith? Well, perhaps to answer that question, we need to examine the introduction of the chapter, and see really what faith is. And that's what we have in verses 1 through 3. So write down with me three things. Here's the first header. header. If your name is Heather, I'm not calling you out, I promise. Uh, Header, I have a stuttering problem, always have, always will. The first first header is this, uh, faith defined, okay? That's number one. Faith defined, faith divine. Verse number one provides for us a definition of faith. Let's, let, let's look at it there. Now, faith is, faith is, here's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is a definition of faith. But here's what I want you to know about this de- definition. It, it's not an exhaustive description. That there is so much more in the Bible that we could say about faith and the elements of faith. It's, it's not an exhaustive description, but it is simplified enough to express the heart behind the writer's appeal for all of us to live our lives by faith. We, we, we might even go as far as to putting it within the context of the letter. Perhaps we could look at it this way. This is the kind of faith you need to endure. This is the kind of faith that you need to persevere. Faith, faith is, here's what it is, it's the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. Now we're going to get to that in just a moment, but let's just first... Make clear what faith is not. All right, verse 1 says, here's what faith is. But before we see what faith is, let's, let's just remind ourselves what faith is not. And I wrote down a couple of things. We could really spend all day talking about what faith isn't. But let's, let's just consider two or three things here. I, I wrote down in my notes, number one, faith is not simply a feeling. All right? Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not... Uh, sentimentalism, all right? Faith is not a sentimentality. That's not what faith is. Faith is based upon facts, even when we don't feel, feel like we think we ought to feel. 
So faith is not a feeling. And some people look at their feelings and their sentimentalityism, their nostalgia, all these things, and, and they, they somewhat think that that's faith. It reminds me of the, uh, the song, and we didn't correct this after the first service. Am I right? Is it from Oklahoma? All right, I had to ask the musical person over here. The, 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 the musical Oklahoma, you know that song perhaps you've heard on the commercial? Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling everything's going my way. You ever heard that before? Do you ever wake up like that in the morning? You're crazy if you do. I never wake up in the morning like that. But some people do, right? They just, they, they spring out of bed. I mean, they're all smiles and songs and say, I've got this feeling it's going to be a, it's going to be a wonderful day, a great day. They can even sing and say that before they have their first cup of coffee. I wish I was you. That's not me. But, but some people that is. Well, well, here's what they do. They mistake all of these wonderful feelings, all of this sentimentality as being faith within itself. But understand something, friends, that's not faith. Because there's some days as a believer, I don't feel like I'm in Christ. I don't feel like I'm honoring him. I don't feel like he saved me. I don't feel like my sins are forgiven. But thanks be to God that my position in Christ is not, hey, anybody here this morning, my position in Christ is not based on how I feel. It is based upon my faith in the ever-changing, in the never-changing God of the universe. And so faith is not a feeling. Faith is not sentimentality. I wrote down here, faith is not optimism. It's not positive thinking. And sometimes we think faith is that way. And that's why this world in secular society is, 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 is confused about faith. Because everybody says they have faith. That's why when I ask you the question, are you a person of faith? Well, we, we need to answer some other questions before we really get to the truth of that, don't we? Because some people think faith is optimism. Well, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I think good thoughts and, and, and I try to be positive. I put away all the negativity out of my life. I'm, I'm optimistic about the things going on. But that's not faith. You see, people who think optimism and positive thinking is faith, these are the people who think it's just enough to have faith. They'll, they'll say things like, well, I have faith, period. But faith can never be separated from the object that faith is in. And many times people think that we just have to have faith in faith in order to make it. You know, faith in faith, good thinking, positive vibes, all that good stuff. But listen to me. It is the object of our faith. And biblical faith is founded in what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important that we grasp this. Because on the days when we're not so positive, not so optimistic, not so sentimental, uh, and not so feeling like everything is wonderful, we can still look to our Bibles and say, even though I'm weak, even though I'm, not, or I'm struggling, even though that I'm going through some difficult days, I know that God is always who He said He was. And that, my friends, is where my faith lies. You see, we need to remember that it's not about the strength of our faith. I've said this many times through our study through Hebrews. It is not about the strength of our faith. It's not about the intensity of our faith. It's about where our faith is. Is your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your faith in the God of the Bible? He's never changing. He's never changing. Things are going to change out here. Things are going to change in you. And there's going to be constant turmoil. And he's, he's not going to change. So why not we rest our faith in the God of the Bible? Rest our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not optimism or positive thinking. Let me just add this third one in here briefly. Faith is not 
brainless. All right? Now hold, it, hold with me here for a moment. Faith is not brainless. In other words, faith doesn't preclude you from discovering and seeing the evidence that God has made clear to us here on earth. And here's what secular society wants to treat you like as a believer. They want you to think that you're uninformed and ignorant because you're a person of faith. That's how they treat us. Regardless of your education, regardless of your intellectual ability, they will throw everything out the window of your belief system if you just tell them yeah, you're a person of faith. Because what do they think? They think that faith and intellect cannot coexist. That to say I'm, I'm a person of faith must mean that I, I don't have the answers. I can't figure that out. I'm not going to research it for myself, that I'm dumb and I'm stupid. And the only answer I can give you is that I'm a person of faith. But you listen to me very clearly. You keep your head high because faith in God doesn't mean you're brainless, Okay? Faith in God means that we trust God. This is where we start. But then God gives us the intellectual capacity, the certainty, the ability to see everything as he provides for us in the evidence to see it. We can't determine these things until we begin with God. And that's the problem with our world. They don't want to begin with God. So, so don't, don't buy in to this idea that biblical faith must mean that I have to be ignorant and uninformed about things that are going on. No. Faith is what helps us to become knowledgeable. Faith is what helps us to understand all that God is doing on this earth. So this is not what faith... Faith is not feeling. Faith is not... Faith is not brainless. But here's what it is. Look at it again in verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right? Say it again. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You got that? That's what faith is. Okay, good. Let's move on. Uh, no, it's not that simple, is it? <laughs> it's not that easy. In fact, there were several times this week laying in the bed late at night, which is usually probably not a good thing for me to do because I, I have a tendency when I lay my head on my pillow at night to ask my wife questions that are going to cause me to stay up for the next couple of hours thinking about them. And so it's, it's, this is not good advice, but it's just how my brain works sometimes. Finally slowing down, I'm, I'm laying in the bed, and, and I look at Kathleen, and I say, all right, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What do you think that means? And we, <laughs> we uh, hammered around a little bit on whether or not what we thought that was uh, the case, but here's what we've kind of worked out, and I hope that it helps you. All right? It's not easy on the surface, is it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, let's, let's break this apart a little bit. The word substance, all right? The substance of things hoped for. Substance, it speaks of that which is, okay, substantial, all right? Substantial. Let me give you another word. That which is real. Real. In other words, faith is not superficial. Faith is not ignorant. Faith is, is a substance. It is, it is substantial. It is real. Let me give you a better word. Here's the word certain, certain, certain. So what is faith? Faith is the substance. It is the certainty. It is the certainty of the things that we as believers hope in. All right? Then we go to the next phrase. 
the evidence of things not seen. It's a little more easier. Evidence speaks of that which is something that is, that is solid. It, it can't be, it can't be ar- argued. I, I use this word conviction here, conviction. So substance, this is the, the certainty of the things that we hope in. Evidence, evidence is the conviction, the conviction that the things we cannot see, the things that we hope in are real. They're certain. Let me give it to you in a sentence, all right? Now listen carefully. Faith is living with certainty and conviction in that which we have fixed our hope but do not yet see. All right, that's what faith is. Let me say it again. Faith is living with certainty and conviction in that which we have fixed our hope but do not yet see. Uh, Kit Hughes put it like this. Let me read his, his uh, statement here. Uh, he said, faith is a solid conviction resting on God's words that makes the future present and the invisible seen. All right? That's good. That's much better than mine. All right? Here it is. Faith is a solid conviction resting on God's word that makes the future a reality, the future present, and then the invisible seen. It's the idea that both the future and the unseen can be made certain. That's what he's saying in verse 1. Faith is, faith is making a certainty, a conviction out of the things that we can't even see, the future that we don't even know. Well, how does that happen? Listen to me very carefully. There's only one way that happens. There's only one way that you live with that kind of certainty and that kind of conviction, and that is by faith in God. If you wait for the certainty... And the conviction, before you start believing, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life. Faith is the key. Faith is the doorway. Faith says to us that if we will just take God at his word, if we will just believe him and and all that he said he is and, and does for us, then he will develop within us a certainty that we've never known before and a conviction that we've never felt that even though we can't see it and even though it's far off in some other place, we know it's real and we know it's coming because God has done this in my heart for I have believed in him. Faith, faith. Think about these a little bit more further with me. Living with certainty, for example, that's the, that's the substance of things hoped for. Living with certainty, it implies, it implies a mental assent, okay? A mental assent. That's what faith is. Faith is first a mental assent. Again, it's not a feeling. It is an assurance of the mind that our hope is real, that our hope is certain. Well, the question has to be asked then, where, where has our hope been placed? Where has your hope been placed? Has your hope been placed in religion? Has your hope been placed in traditions? Is your hope placed in politics? Is your hope in yourself? Well, no, those who have genuine faith understand that their hope is placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Specifically, and I wrote down three things here, our hope has been placed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. A living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead. 
I know that he is alive today. You know that he is alive today. We've gathered here today because of that certainty. And how did we come into that knowledge? How do we live with such certainty? It's because we have taken God at his word. We have by faith believed it to be true. And therefore we hope in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know it's certain. And we believe it with conviction. We're not only hoping in his resurrection, the fact that he was born, that, 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 that he was a real man who was born on this earth, who lived a life perfectly and sinlessly, that, that, that went to a cross in a real place on this earth and died on it, that there's a real tomb that exists today that is empty because he has risen from the dead. We believe all of that mentally. That's a, that's a mental ascent in our lives. We trust and believe it, and we know that it's real. We know that it's certain. We, we've put our hope in it, the hope in the resurrection of Jesus. I, I wrote down here my hopes in the sovereign purposes of God, the sovereign purposes of God. That even though I can't see or maybe always make sense of it, I know he's in control, and I'm hoping in him. And the more I hope in him, guess what? The more assurance he gives me and the more certainty he gives me and the more conviction that he gives me that he is always in control of my life. 1 John 3, 3 tells us, everyone who hopes in him will purify himself just as God is pure. That means the more we hope in him, the more certain that our life resembles him. The more our mind patterns itself after him. The more our soul and body is purified like him. Where is our hope today? Our hope is in the fact that Jesus is alive. He is resurrected from the dead. Our hope is in the fact that no matter what goes on around me, God is in control. And our hope is in the return of Jesus Christ. Because we know that this life is not the end. The Bible is very clear. Titus 2.13. Looking for that blessed what? Fill in the blank. Looking for that blessed hope. That blessed hope and the glorious appearing Of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're hoping in his resurrection. We're hoping in his sovereign plan. And we are hoping in the fact that he is coming again. But that hope is not wishful thinking, friends. That hope is certainty. That hope is conviction. We know he's coming back again. You see, to the person of true faith, all of this that I've just said to you is real. It's certain. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something made up from some book that's centuries, years, centuries, put it back, thousands of years old. No, no, no. This is all real to us. He's a real person. These events really happened. He really is alive. He really is in control. He really did create all this stuff. He really is coming back again. And when he comes back again, he really is going to judge those who don't believe him. And he really is going to receive those who put their faith in him. Yeah, yeah, this is all really going to happen. And we know that it's going to happen because our faith has been put in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is living with certainty. Are you living with certainty? Have you put mental assent into the truth of the Bible that these things are real? You see, with mental assent, we know this is to be true. Think about living with conviction for a moment. Living with conviction, that's the, that's the evidence of things not seen. All right. So if living with certainty, the substance of things hoped for, implies mental assent, then living with conviction, the evidence of things not seen, that implies a heart response. A heart response. Now look right here. Faith is always a matter of the mind and heart. It always is. It's not just intellectual. It's also 
devotion. But it's not just devotion in the sense of, of passion and, 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 and busyness. No, no, no. No, it's, it's intellectually understanding that these things are true. I'll put it to you like this. Our hearts, when we talk about living with conviction, our hearts are committed to what the mind is convinced is true. That's what it means to live with conviction. Our hearts are committed to, our hearts are committed to what the mind is convinced is true. And again, this conviction, conviction is given to us. God gives you this conviction. God gives you this certainty. He gives it to us by the means of faith. Faith opens our eyes to that which is invisible. Look at it again at the end of the verse. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of the things that people cannot see. The invisible things of God. Do you know what the invisible things of God are? His plans. Why he's doing this. Why he's allowing that. How come he's bringing all this up? His plans are invisible to us. Look at the things that are going on in our world right now. And I try not to direct your attention too much to that because that is a devastation psychologically even in and of itself. Some of you would do a whole lot better as I did about 10 months ago when I decided to turn off the news and stop watching it. Now listen to me. All the pandemics, all, all, all the political uprisings, all the natural disasters that are, that are happening... The, the world who cannot see the invisible because their faith is not in Jesus Christ, they look at all of this as chaos. Chaos. But we see it differently. That is, if your faith is in Jesus. Oh, no, that doesn't mean we're not burdened by it. Of course we're burdened by it. Of course there are moments we are discouraged and distracted by it. Of course we pray for ease of pain and suffering and deliverance during these days. But those of us who believe the Bible, those of us who put our faith in Jesus, we look at all these and we understand what they are. Jesus said they were birth pains of a coming day. That means these things have to happen in order for Jesus to come back. So the pandemics and the suffering and the political changes, all of this stuff, this is a part of God's plan. You see, those who have faith in God, they see his plan when the rest of the world cannot see it. They see his kingdom. That is, those who have put their faith in God. The invisible kingdom of God around the world. Yeah, the, the, the unbelieving world who looks at us and thinks we're crazy and ignorant and stupid and ridiculous and all these sort of things that they want to say of us. You know why they say those things? Because they don't see what we see. Because when you come to God in faith, God opens your eyes to a world that exists outside of yourself. You see His kingdom his kingdom around the world. His kingdom purposes for our lives. This is what it means that God gives us the conviction, the faith to see that which is invisible. His activity, his plans, his kingdom. And we are committed to it. So much so that we put our lives on the line for it. We put our lives on the line for it. This is part of the issue of the church and he, the, 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 the writer is writing 
about the recipients of this letter, the people of Hebrews. They weren't willing to put their lives on the line of it. At least some of them weren't. So they're drawing back. They're turning back. There's no conviction, no certainty. You know why there's no conviction, no certainty? We go back to the same old thing. Because they've never truly believed. There's no faith. Now remember, I've said it already, but let me just say it one more time. Biblical faith cannot be separated from the object that our faith is to be fixed in. So when I ask you if you're a person of faith in morning, this morning, you can't just say, yes, I'm a person of faith because I, I, I feel good feelings and I think good thoughts and, you know, I believe faith is the way. Faith and faith. Faith, 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 faith. No, no, it's are you a person of faith because you have believed in Jesus Christ? Because when we choose to put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will live our lives with certainty and conviction that he who we cannot see is both real and true. And we know it. We know it. And we've committed our lives to hope in it. That's faith defined. Let me give you these last two quick, a little bit more quicker. All right, faith approved. Faith approved. That's the second thing. It's verse 2. For by it, that is by faith, for by it, by this faith that he's just defined for us in verse 1, the elders obtained a good testimony. Or it means here that they gained God's approval. By faith, the elders, those who have gone on before us, the ones that we're going to study in chapter 11 and the other ones that are not mentioned, any for that matter, faith, faith is the reason that those who've gone before us have gained, listen to this, gained God's approver, approval. Now we got to understand the emphasis of this statement, obtained a good testimony or, or gained God's approval. Because some of you are looking for God's approval. You want God to be approved with you. You want God to be pleased with you. But I want to help you with something this morning. There is only one way to be approved by God. There is only one way to please Him. And that is by faith. And nothing else. Nothing else. The Bible says, you're there in chapter 11, look at verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to gain God's approval. It's a strong word. He doesn't even give us any kind of chance to please God outside of faith there. You say, Pastor, you mean to tell me that, 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 that surely God is approved of me if I, if I clean up my life a little bit, if I think good thoughts, if I, I, I give charitably to others, if I, if I watch my language, if I come to church every once in a while, if, if I vote good politics or whatever. You, you're trying to tell me if I do all of this that God is still not pleased with me? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Look, you and I can never please God in our own righteousness. The Bible says that our righteousness, all of these good works that we would lay out in front of people, they are like dirty, filthy rags. That's not a compliment. Compared to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we're not even worth looking at. But thanks be to God that God accepts me 
and approves of me and is pleased with me, not on the basis of what I do in my own goodness and righteousness, but on the basis of my faith that is fixed in the goodness and righteousness of Jesus Christ. I am saved, loved, chosen, and accepted and adopted by God today because of Jesus Christ. That is why I am approved of him. It's why you're approved of God, not because of how good you are, but because of how good he is. (laughs) Not because of how righteous you are, but how perfectly righteous he is. And this is why God takes nothing but faith. He wants your faith to not be in your righteousness. He wants your faith to be in Christ's righteousness. In fact, he goes on to say in Romans 14, 23, that whatever is not of faith is sin. Faith approved. Faith approved. The only way God's going to be approved of us is if we believe. If we have faith in him. MacArthur put it like this. Faith is not one of many ways to please God. It's the only way to please God. No matter what else we may think, say, or do, For or in the name of God, it is meaningless and worthless apart from faith. It cannot possibly be approved by God. As we study the hall of faith, we're going to discover how their faith developed. Three things. Let me just give them to you quickly. It began as they heard the word from God. That is, these these elders, they, they heard the word from God. The same truth given to us in Romans. Faith cometh by Hearing, hearing, faith cometh when we hear, hear what? The the word of God. They heard the word of God. Their faith continued as they received a promise from God through his word. Think of Noah for a moment. God comes to Noah, speaks his word to Noah. He gives him a promise. Noah, if you build an ark and get your family in it, you will be saved. So here's what we have. We're learning about the faith of Noah. Faith heard a word from God. Noah heard a word from God. That's where his faith began. Uh, His faith continued as he received a promise from God in that word. And then thirdly, it bore fruit as they acted upon the word of God. Noah built the ark. And what? He was saved. God kept his word. And this is how faith develops in all of us. We hear the word, we receive the promise of the word, and we act in faith and obedience to the word. Think in summary for a moment all that these men and women did in faith. Abel, we'll start with him next week. Abel offered the sacrifice. Enoch pleased God. Noah prepared the ark. Abraham obeyed God. Sarah bore a child. Isaac blessed his sons. Jacob worshiped. Joseph gave teaching. Moses willingly suffered. Israel passed through the Red Sea. Rahab received spies with, 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 with the peace. And many more are mentioned here in the chapter. They, they all received the word and they acted upon the word. And the message is the same for us. True faith comes as we hear God's word, receive his promise, and act in obedience to his command. And this, this is the testimony that God is approved of. The testimony of faith. What you think about it like this, I'm going to give you the last one. Faith is simply taking God at his word. That's all it is. Faith is simply taking God at his word. And so many of you so desperately, you want to see the invisible. You want to experience the future as a present reality in your life. And you can, but you never will until you take God at his word. Faith defined, faith approved. Thirdly, faith illustrated. Faith illustrated. 
So before he begins this tour of those who live their lives by faith as an example to us in living our own lives by faith, the writer wanted them to see a simple illustration of what faith looks like. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on here. We're just going to show you the illustration. And here it is in verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. So creation is the theme. And I find it very interesting that in explaining faith, get this, the writer of Hebrews begins with the creation of the world. He's explaining faith, and he begins in his explanation of faith by beginning with the creation of the world. That's where our Bibles begin. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning. You know it, say it with me. In the beginning, God created. God created. That's where our whole Bible begins. This is where our faith begins. Is the fact that by faith, we know that God created everything that is. Young people, parents of young people, when it comes to the existence of this world and human life, I want to ask you guys a question. Are you going to believe what some textbook tells you? Or are you going to believe by faith what God has told you? You see, if you'll just by faith believe God created all of this, then he will give your heart a peaceful knowledge of that truth. Look at it carefully. Look at verse 3. By faith we what? Underline that word. By faith we understand. By faith we understand. Let's say it one more time. It's so good. By faith we understand. Some of you want to understand a little bit more. The key to understanding? Faith. You know why others can't understand this simple truth about God in relation to creation? That God is the creator of everything that is and all that is visible to us, even that which is invisible to us? Do you know why people can't accept that, why people struggle with that? They don't understand it. Because they don't accept him nor his word by faith. That's the point. Without faith, there can be no true knowledge. And I know I just said that faith is not brainless, but you hang with me for a moment. The reason why many of secular society will not accept God as the creator is not because they're brainless and not because we're brainless. It's because God is the starting point of all knowledge. God is the starting point of all research. God is the starting point of all understanding. Listen to me very carefully in an age where everybody wants to preach science, science, science. Listen to me carefully. The Bible and science are never incompatible. Do you know why? Because science begins with God. Science is understood through the lens of God. Science makes sense when we by faith accept God as the creator of all that is. That's why there's such a divide. It's not because one guy has more degrees than another or one guy's more intellectual than another. No, the great divide is somebody has faith and started with God and somebody else dismisses him altogether. You see, science can only be fully understood when we start with the Bible. And that is why the world's most brilliant minds, think about it, the world's most brilliant minds cannot accept the creation theory because they cannot see it through the lens of faith. That's why. 
They want to make sense of it. They want to understand it. But to their detriment, they'll never understand it until they understand it by faith. And how did God create all this? Look at the next phrase. By the word of God. The same word that we are to receive by faith and obedience is the same word that spoke this universe into existence. Psalm says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. And look right here. I know it's true. I know it's true. I know and would put my life on it. Because by faith in God, he has given me a certainty and conviction that all that I hope in in his word is absolutely real and certain. I know it's true. Because I'm taking God at his word. That's the plea today. So we go back to the first question. Are you a person of faith? Are you a person of faith? Not feelings, not optimism. Faith. Are you taking God at his word? Are you trusting the object of Jesus Christ? Are you living with certainty and conviction about who he is? Are you resting in him? Trusting and obeying him? Because the writer of Hebrews wants us to understand that this type of faith... This is the faith that saves us. And this is the faith in which we can persevere. My friend, if you're not a person of faith, there's no magic formula. All you have to do is believe. Believe in Jesus. And you will be saved. Will you come to Jesus today? Because every answer you're trying to figure out for yourself will never be solved until you start with Jesus. Quit trying to make sense of it. Just believe it. As the certainty of everything I'm hoping in, as the conviction of everything. I cannot see. May God help us all in every circumstance of life to be men and women of faith. Let's stand together for prayer.